This is your host, Victoria, and in today's episode, we are talking about moving away from the all or nothing. As usual, I would love to know where in the world you are, what you're up to, and what your environment looks like as you listen to this episode. So take a quick picture of where you're at right now and tag me on Instagram at Victoria Sardane. I would love to see. Enjoy the episode, guys. Welcome to the Victoria Sardane podcast, where you'll discover actionable tools, tips, and tricks, as well as inspiring conversations to support you to change your own reality. We all have immense personal power within us. We all have the ability to be the person we look up to the most and take charge of our lives and our future. Sometimes we just need a little insight, a little change of perspective, and a friendly nudge to take the step. Are you ready? everybody very happy to find you here for another episode this week this week we are digging into the topic of the all or nothing it's something that's come up with quite a few of my clients recently so I really wanted to touch on it from a few different angles dig a little bit deeper into this topic and hopefully leave you with some actionable takeaways that will actually help you if you often find yourself falling into the all or nothing yourself So let's start with why do we fall into this pattern of all or nothing? So first of all, our brain loves boxes, right? It loves making sense of a nuanced world. The world around us is so complicated. There's so much going on at all times. There's so many different ways of looking at things, of seeing things. Nothing is black or white. Everything is in different shades of gray. And on top of it, Our brain loves to save energy, right? It loves to be lazy or efficient, whichever way you want to look at it, and reduce the amount of noise, reduce the amount of nuance, and put things into these boxes, which then might cause us to fall into the all or nothing. There's also a phenomenon of patternicity. So patternicity is the fact that our mind will seek to find patterns in places where patterns maybe don't exist. So I don't know, maybe I've been to Berlin three times and all three times it's rained, therefore it always rains in Berlin. Or every time we go out for dinner, I overeat or the food doesn't sit well and I come home with a tummy ache and it's a disaster. And that's every single time we go out for dinner, therefore I know that I am destined to live that fate if we go out for dinner, right? So it comes with beliefs. Another one I hear from my clients, I never go to bed on time, it is not possible for me, I just cannot go to bed early, or I cannot wake up early, or something like that. So we see once again how beliefs are coming into play, identities are coming into play when we fall into this all or nothing. It's really this creation of these categories of it is completely one thing or completely another. There are certain words that really suggest all or nothing as well. Words such as always, never, good, bad, can't, right? These words that suggest a completely boxed in perception of what something is. So all or nothing in general is rooted in beliefs that make us think all or nothing and also make us act all or nothing. So I really want to show here how we start by having this all or nothing thought, which is a really strong belief that something is completely one way or completely another. And that actually leads us to acting in a way that is all or nothing. 
So I'm assuming if you were drawn to this episode, perhaps by the title, maybe it's because you often find yourself acting in the all or nothing, but haven't necessarily realized that the root of acting in the all or nothing is brought about from a thought of all or nothing. So I'm going to give just two examples here. They're actually examples that I spoke about with clients recently. So one client having this belief that all and any sugar is bad for my health. It's not good for me. It'll make me store fat. It'll play around with my blood sugar levels. It'll have a negative impact on my circulation, on my skin, on all these different factors. It is bad for my health all in all, right? So that is the belief that is very boxed in, that is very all or nothing. All types of sugar are bad. So how does that then result to actually acting out the all or nothing? Well, naturally she would avoid all types of sugar at all cost. And then maybe at some point she would have a craving for it and maybe she would overindulge. Or maybe she would just have a little bit of it and in that instant would either feel guilty, would feel worried that it might have a negative impact on her health. It would bring about feelings of stress. Those feelings of stress might bring inflammation. So all of a sudden, then acting out the all or nothing actually reinforces the belief because after having eaten the sugar with this thought of this is bad for me, she's going to feel bad. Right? She's going to feel the inflammation in her body. She's going to feel the stress in her body and her body's not going to react well to what she ate because she's worried about it. Therefore, it fuels this all or nothing and then it is, oh my goodness, sugar is so bad for me. It doesn't make me feel good. I need to absolutely cut it out. It is bad. Right? So it's really the thought that brings in the action. In a completely different example, I had a client who was saying, you know, I need at least one hour of complete solo time in order to recharge if I'm going to have a good week. That is just absolutely imperative. I need to have this one hour. And that's fine if you have the time to do that, but when we were looking ahead at her schedule, looking that she had a really hectic week ahead, that right after work she had different social engagements and dinners and birthdays and networking events and it was just a crazy week ahead that started to bring up a lot of stress within her she was thinking i don't have this one hour in the afternoon after work to recharge what am i going to do it's going to be a disaster so if she was perhaps let's say on her own not getting coaching then she might fall into this pattern of thinking i don't have this hour it's going to be a disaster i'm going to be stressed She's already feeling stressed ahead of time because of it. And not only that, but obviously on the day of, when she knows that she has to run directly from work to another social event, she would conclude, I am not going to have the energy to handle this social event. I'm annoyed about this. I didn't have my hour to recharge, which would then perpetuate the belief, right? It would further anchor in the belief. You can even notice those words that I mentioned before, right? I will always feel anxious and stressed and overwhelmed if I don't have this one hour of time to myself in the afternoon to recharge. So this is really where the thinking in all or nothing, those really strong boxed in beliefs can actually lead us to act in the all or nothing as well. So how do we actually get around this? I would give you a piece of advice that I've received myself. And if you have a pen and paper, write it down. If you're on your phone, write it in your phone, write it somewhere where you can remember it. 
And that piece of advice is research the opposite of what you believe. Research the opposite of what you believe. What's amazing is that we live in the internet era. You can find anything online. You can find a scientific study that proves that sugar is the worst thing in the world as much as you can find a scientific study that proves the exact opposite, right? So you can find information that backs up pretty much any case. And this doesn't actually take very much time. All the information in the world is genuinely at our fingertips and we can have access to it in an instant. So let's use that. Let's use that in our power. This is an exercise that I actually recommended my client do. It was to really think about what are all the beliefs that are at the root of her all or nothing acting. So as I said, we tend to notice the all or nothing acting first, and we actually need to scale back, look backwards and see what is the thought, the all or nothing thought that drove that all or nothing action. If you're very all or nothing with exercise, let's say, and you're either doing it 100% or you're not doing it at all, what belief is there? There's probably a belief that you need to exercise every day in order to be healthy. And maybe once you don't exercise every day or you miss a day, then you think, ah, oh, F this, forget about it. I'm already off the trail or I'm already unhealthy. I might as well not do it at all. If you're all or nothing about your work, you're either fully invested or you're not doing it at all. There's probably a thought there around productivity or how many hours you should work or that working as much as possible is better, right? Working as much as possible is good. There's definitely a thought there around what is good and what is bad. And with this exercise around researching the opposite, what I really want you to do is actually look up how the opposite is true. So taking in those first two examples that I mentioned previously with my client, we actually did research on what are the benefits of sugar? In what way is it actually good for you? In what way might it actually help in certain situations, in certain cases? How is avoiding it altogether actually sometimes less good? In order to create this nuance, so then researching the opposite in this specific example might lead her to actually move away from this idea that sugar altogether is 100% bad and say, well, no, it's not 100% bad and it's also not 100% good. It's somewhere in between. So I can have a bite of something with sugar in it and not feel immediate panic and stress thinking that my heart is going to explode or that my skin is going to react and really take it as, well, there you go there's my little boost of energy for the day, right? You bring your mind in it. We know the power of intention is so strong. In the other example, what if we were to research, okay, in what ways is a five minute meditation or a 10 minute meditation more powerful in recharging your batteries than an hour spent alone? Or maybe a completely different instance we actually research in what way is spending time with other people in a social environment the best way to charge your batteries. So once again, researching that complete opposite, taking in that proof, understanding that there's a nuance. It's not spending time alone equals recharge 
and spending time with others will always drain my energy. If we believe that, then we'll feel that. If we research the opposite, then we understand that neither is good or bad. Both are somewhere in the middle. Everything's a shade of gray, and it's not therefore all or nothing. As I said before, that power of intention, that power of the mindset, that power of the thought is so powerful, is huge. It literally can make one experience, which is exactly the same, feel completely different from another. If your heating runs out and you are forced to take a cold shower in the depth of winter, you're going to see it as a frustration. You're going to see it as a big stressor on your body. Your body might not react well, and you'll probably go to work and complain about it. As compared to deciding, I'm going to take a cold shower because we know the benefits of cold exposure, you get out of the shower feeling refreshed, feeling good, feeling energized, and you might even go to work and brag about it. It's the exact same experience, but the way that you live it mentally is different, and studies also show how the way that your body will react physically is different. Even though you are doing the same action physically, if your mind is in a different place, it will not react in the same way. Those physiological benefits that come from cold exposure will not be as strong if it feels like a stressor that you are forced into as compared to something that you are doing willingly. So that is a whole other topic, the difference between willingly taking a challenge on your shoulders rather than being forced into it, which I might go into in another episode. But keep that in mind throughout all of this. It's really about how we can change our perception, how we can find the gray in our all or nothing thinking. Another area in which we easily fall into all or nothing is around identity, right? We think, I am this. I am like this. And if I'm like this, I therefore cannot be like that. And the truth is that we are nor this nor that. We are this and that. We are so complex. Our identity is a mix and a mashup of a million different elements. Psychologist Hiba Swami, who I love, actually, I should get her on the podcast soon. She always talks about this notion of having a village inside of you. And you have this internal village, which is made up of all these different characters and all these different people who want different things and want you to act in different ways and have different feelings and thoughts and emotions about a certain situation. And that might be sometimes how we feel. We're a little bit conflicted inside. It's like on one side I like this, and then on the other hand I also really like that. And we often try to put ourselves in that box of, but I am this kind of person, therefore I cannot be the opposite. I would say, accept the complexity of yourself. Be aware of those internal conflicts. Notice them when they arise. For me personally, I love routine. I love structure. I love having a bit of a straight line, linear thinking and very masculine energy dominant. And therefore I love having a goal in mind, taking little steps towards it every day and being very linear in my approach. However, there's another part of me that loves adventure, that loves challenge, that loves seeing new things, which is why I love traveling, which is why I love moving around. So there's a part of me that has this itch to just go out and break out and discover and do something new. And that brings up conflict within me sometimes, 
where I think on one hand, I really just want to stay home this weekend and read my book and do my meal prep and prepare myself for the week and get some work done and take those baby steps towards creating that order and structure in my life that allows me to move forward in a linear fashion. And another half of me just wants to go on a road trip with no map and see where the hell we'd find ourselves. So how do we reconcile these two sides? Well, it's not about thinking, I am only this part of me, therefore I cannot express this other part. If we do that, if we are too much in the all or nothing with our identity, the danger is that we fall into resentment. And the only person we resent is ourselves. We literally block a whole aspect of our being and say, you cannot present yourself. You cannot express yourself. And we end up resenting ourselves for it. And that is so dangerous. We put shackles on our ankles and we don't allow ourselves to do anything differently. This is literally my story. I've mentioned it in a few podcast episodes now, but it's really where my personal development journey started is when I realized when I was in the depths of my intense health and fitness regimen that I'd put shackles on my ankles. I completely did not allow myself to express another part of myself. And I had tied myself down to such a strong identity of being the one that's healthy, that's fit, really into fitness, all of this, that anything that was not in line with that was not possible. It was a complete all or nothing identity where I'd put myself in a box And I said, you are only one thing. And what's crazy is that I was doing this to myself. And I was speaking to a client the other day who's finding herself in a similar situation right now. And this is what we're working through. It's really this idea of learning the nuance, of getting to know ourselves, of unraveling the complexities of our identity and understanding how there's so many elements of our identity that yes, are slightly conflicting. That we are one thing and we're also another thing. And I love waking up early and seizing the day. And I also love, I don't know, not having an alarm on on the weekend and waking up as late as I possibly can to give myself the rest. Whatever that might be within you, thinking about those complexities that you have. You can be ambitious and career driven and also realize that what gives you most meaning is connection with others or maybe nurturing or maybe being there for somebody else you can be this and that understand the complexities of your being look into them look at where they conflict themselves and be aware of it look at it with interest with intrigue with curiosity the people we love the most around us i bet it's because we know them well enough to love their complexities to love all the different elements of themselves that play in different ways within them, and we are the same way. One last point I wanna touch on on this topic of all or nothing is how perfectionism can play a role. So when we are tied into this perfectionist mentality, we want everything to be absolutely perfect, and that naturally drives us into all or nothing thinking as well. This is because this perfectionism is somewhere driven by this belief that if I'm not doing it perfectly, There's no point in doing it at all. So let's say you have given yourself the goal to read a book this month and it's already end of March, haven't even started, right? And you think every evening instead of reading, I just ended up scrolling my phone, so forget about it. Maybe I'll start next month. Maybe I'll start next year. 
we'll see, right? That is a classic kind of all or nothing, is thinking, well, I haven't started, it's already too late, forget about it, I'm not going to do it at all. If you do find yourself often in this kind of scenario and you think you might be driven by perfectionist tendencies, then the best question you can ask yourself is what is the most imperfect way I can take a step towards this right now? What is the most imperfect way I can take a step towards this right now? No, it will not be perfect because there's no way I'm going to start and finish a book in the next three days of the month, but maybe I can start the first page. Maybe I can read three lines this evening. Maybe I can crack it open during my lunch break and just have a quick browse of the first page, right? So asking yourself, what is the most imperfect way that you can start into this right now? Because it is not about doing it perfectly or not at all. The truth is the perfection does not exist and it will never exist. And especially if you are prone to perfectionist tendencies, chances are that it will never be perfect enough for you or you will never feel that it's perfect enough for you. So it's practicing that imperfection, getting comfortable in that imperfection, getting comfortable in the nuance, in the gray. It's not all yes or all no. It's not all good or all bad. And it's not all in and all out. It's dipping our toes. It's trying it out. It's playing in the gray and realizing that everything is so much more complex and so much more nuanced than that. So in order to leave you with a few actionable takeaways here, I'll go back through those three elements I spoke about. The first one is the implication of thought. So that's really around belief and challenging our beliefs and researching the opposite. So I would encourage you to think about one, two, or three areas in which you often find yourself in the all or nothing. Ask yourself, what thought is driving it? What is one thing that you consider to be good and one thing that you consider to be bad? And how can you research the opposite of that? If you're struggling to find a way to frame it, feel free to reach out and I'm happy to brainstorm a little bit with you. You can send me a DM on Instagram. The second one is identity. And with this one, it's really about noticing the conflicts in your identity, noticing the elements of your identity that are both this and that. And practice playing around with them, thinking about it literally as those different people in your village inside of you. And you don't want to completely ignore one and only ever listen to the other because that first one is going to start getting pretty pissed off. And that resentment is going to be towards no one but yourself. Hiba actually has a series of videos about the internal village, so I will link those in the show notes below if you want to go have a look because she's really great and I love her concept and I'm sure you will as well. The third point is around perfectionism and it's really remembering that question. If this one speaks to you, make sure you write it down. The question is, what is the most imperfect way I can take a step in that direction today? I hope this was useful, guys. I hope you appreciated it. If you often find yourself in the realm of all or nothing, this is what I do. This is what I help my clients with. I'm taking on a few more one-on-one clients for the month of April. And I also have my group coaching program, The Self Mastery Solution, starting in April. By the time this episode comes out, there will be only a few days left to sign up. So send me a message as quickly as you can if you are interested in either of those options. We can have a chat about if you would be the right fit and if this is right for you. 
And in the meantime, I'll see you next week for a brand new episode.